You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, South Bay Church. Great to see everybody here this morning, uh, both with us in person in our fellowship or our, our building. Those of you outside, those of you watching us online, today is our 2022 kickoff. And it's great to have everybody here today. We've got a lot of incredible things that are going on. I know some of you just showed up for the raffle that we have, but uh, by the end of this, I'm sure we'll have you all in a better spiritual place. Are you going to pray us up? Yep. Let's go ahead and uh, go to the Father in prayer. Father, uh, it's exciting to be here this morning just to have an opportunity to spend time worshiping, singing to you, praying, uh, looking to your word for guidance in our lives. Uh, we're super excited about what we're able, about to embark on as a church as we head into uh, the segment where we're going through emotionally healthy spirituality and what that means for us in a relationship with you, being able to bring it to a deeper level. But Father, right now I do want to appeal to you uh, on behalf of a number of our members of our congregation and family uh, with health issues. Father, for Jesse, that the uh, condition with his neck and spine, Father, his, uh, his ask is uh, for us to pray that it's not cancerous. Father, help him uh, as he moves forward with whatever the prognosis and direction is the doctors give him going forward. Father, we have a sister in our fellowship with uh, cancer uh, who's involved in uh, treatment right now. I pray that the treatment is effective, efficient, and that she quickly gets back on the road to recovery. For Tony Marquez and his, his health challenges, for June, Jill Newman, Father, that you'll uh, help her get to a point where she can be an active part of the fellowship going forward. For Sasha Hill's dad and his health issues, Celie's mom, for uh, Laura Martinez, for all of the various things we've got going, uh, whether it be COVID, COVID-related, other situations. Father, you know what they are. Uh, we know that you're capable of healing. You are God of wonders and miracles. And for my own mom, uh, with the transition for her, God, give us wisdom, give us discernment, help us to set her up in a situation that will be uh, good for her moving forward as well. Father, uh, be with us today. Help us to really connect with you and help us to leave here with an incredible sense of gratitude for what Jesus Christ represents for each and every one of us, uh, just understanding the transformative powers of the blood and his body that was given up for us to have this amazing relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Welcome to your introduction to the EHS course. Now this course is the fruit of 18 years of work and it's been used by God to transform tens of thousands of people in their walk with Christ around the world. The EHS course introduces two large biblical truths that are missing in most present-day discipleship efforts, emotional health and contemplative spirituality. So it looks at, in terms of emotional health, how you cannot separate emotional health and spiritual maturity. And then also it looks at how we need to slow down spirituality so we really can walk with Christ. And it's these two things together that offer nothing short of a spiritual revolution in our lives and transform the deep hidden places in us. Now, the course has eight sessions. It begins with one, the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Secondly, it looks at know yourself that you may know God. Thirdly, it looks at going back to go forward. Fourthly, it talks about journey through the wall. Fifthly, it talks about enlarging your soul through grief and loss. Sixthly, it looks through discovering the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. Seventhly, it talks about growing into an emotionally mature adult. And finally, it looks at taking the next step to develop a rule of life. 
And we found at New Life Fellowship Church, as well as some other churches around the world, that we needed to move this EHS material from a small group curriculum into an actual course, much like Alpha has done with evangelism. And we did this because of three real concerns. The first is that we wanted every member and committed person in our church to understand the values that we walk out with Jesus in our discipleship. Secondly, we wanted to ensure the long-term integration of EHS into every aspect of our church. And thirdly, this was so important that we wanted to ensure a high-quality experience, and so therefore we centralized it. And this has been used now by so many other churches, and it really has been wildly successful. But what makes the EHS course particularly powerful is the combination of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, the EHS course workbook, and the EHS day-by-day book. The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book provides a large biblical and thoughtful read to help people think deeply about each topic. The EHS course workbook that we spent years developing provides practical applications and an opportunity to talk about these deep things. And then the EHS day-by-day daily office or devotional introduces you to this great concept of slowing down for the daily office, meeting with God not once a day, but twice or maybe three times a day, and integrating things like silence and scripture and prayer. The beauty is that the EHS day-by-day devotional accompanies the EHS course workbook and the EHS book themes. And again, the three of these elements together make it unique and very powerful. This is an opportunity for you to experience a life with God that goes beyond tip of the iceberg spirituality. It presents a doorway to walk through so that your spiritual life might be reignited as you cultivate afresh your own personal relationship with Jesus. It's also a moment to grasp the indispensable link between spiritual and emotional maturity and to grow into a more loving person. So I bless you as you consider embarking on this EHS course, and I pray that it will mark a whole new beginning for you in your walk with Jesus and your service to him. Amen. So uh, you might have watched that video and be like, what, what is he talking about? So that's where we're going to kind of explain that today. So, um, so that, that is a, a pastor that put together this book uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that a lot of us have been reading. How many of you have already started reading the book? Okay, so a lot of you. I've almost finished with it, so that's good. So we're going to be going through. So he, he described three materials, three books in his uh, uh, presentation there. We're just using two of those three, but we've, we've actually used all three. So he talked about the EHS book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book. So those, we, Jen still has more. If you didn't get that, it's also available on Amazon. It's $10. Uh, please get that. We'd love, for, if you are here today and you don't know anything about any of this, that's fine. Like now is the perfect time to just jump on board. So uh, you can get that book from Amazon. You can get it from Jen. And then the, the day-to-day, we're giving away to you. We're asking that you let us update your information as a, as a fair exchange for that free book. So um, if you give Jen your information, make sure it's all updated, then she'll give you a day to, day-to-day book. It's also, if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's also free on Kindle, so you can get day-to-day. So those are the two books that we're using. The workbook he referenced, we've taken the workbook materials, kind of distilled them down into what we're going to be doing in our small groups. So what, we, what he was talking about, centralizing it, that's what we've tried to do so that we can, we're trying to do the best of both worlds. So centralize it, so do it as a church, but then also allow in small groups where you can really talk more. Because obviously this big group, it's hard to really talk and process, but uh, small groups are the way to really talk through that. And so uh, if you're not in a small group, now again is a great time to connect to a small group. Make sure you're in a small group. So before you leave today, make sure you know what small group you're in and uh, and and and. and 
and uh, you know, so you can go through this material together. Uh, and we're, we're going to have a chance to break into our small groups, however that works, here in a minute. Um, whoever is here from your small group, or if you nobody's here from your small group, join another group. But just a time to try practicing talking as a group a little bit here in a minute. So uh, can you throw my slides up there? So uh, what the staff's going to be doing is each of us is going to be uh, kind of breaking down what this means for us. So the, the, what Dust and I are talking about is the theme of knowing, and I'll explain that here a little bit more in a minute. But the, the goal of this is maturity. Uh, this great scripture in Ephesians 4 is like a theme scripture for me as a church leader. This, this always is like, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to be as a church. Uh, and, and Paul, as he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he's describing a, a mature church and what his goal is in the church. He says, then we will no longer be infants, immature, right, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So he's saying, you know, there's all kinds of deceptors out there, and that's still true today. There are people who spread misinformation. There's people who want to make a profit off of you by scaring you. There's people that, you know, just all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff, right? There's all kinds of things that can blow us all around. And the goal is that we don't, that's going to be there. There's going to be, always going to be uh, uh, false religion, false teaching, demonic stuff, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff in the world. But, but the goal is that we not be blown around and tossed by it because of, you know, our own immaturity, but that we, it says next, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Like, a mature, as we grow in maturity, it, it helps us to, to handle the world and, and all there is to stress about, all there is to be anxious about, and even to handle conflict with each other in the church and, and in our families. And, you know, spiritual maturity helps us to, to handle all that. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so we've heard that analogy Paul uses of the church as a body. Jesus is the head. The whole church functions as a body when it's a, when it's a mature church where each part is doing something and each part is, is doing its work. So the goal is that every part of South Bay Church is on to maturity, moving towards maturity. That's what we want to really accomplish. And, and Paul talks about that. He says... Uh, he is the one, Jesus, this is another passage, Colossians 1, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. What that verse teaches me is that we need each other. Like, maturing in Christ is not a solo project, right? You see that? He says, we're helping each other. We're teaching each other. We're, and he says, me, myself, personally, Paul, I, this is my whole goal, is to help other people mature. So that, what that tells me is I can't just mature on my own. Like, I would like to just be, everybody leave me alone, and I'm just going to be mature. Like that, but that doesn't work. Like, I need you, and you need me. And like, even when we have conflict with each other, sometimes that helps me mature, right? And, and so uh, we need each other in the church. And so this at the top here, I won't go into this a lot, but you hear this in our church a lot, worship, friendship, discipleship, ownership. This represents what in our church, the way that we are trying to lead people towards maturity in terms of interacting with each other. And that we're the big group, worship, and then we break into small groups and really work on our friendship. And in those small groups, we really go deep. And that's discipleship, where you're really trying to implement Jesus' teachings and talk about what's really going on. And the goal is maturity, ownership, that every person is like, fully owning the gospel and fully engaged in gospel work. So 
what, what, the, what the book argues is that um, the, the reason a lot of us don't mature is because emotions are hard to deal with, and if you don't mature emotionally, you can't mature as a whole person. And so the book is really talking about dealing with some emotions, and you might like that, you might not like that. I personally don't like that. And as I've been, I've almost filled with, finished with the book, and as I've been trying to get more real with my emotions, more authentic, and even telling people what I'm feeling, I'm noticing I'm having a lot more conflict, and I'm also getting a lot more angry. <laughs> so, like, like yesterday morning, I was just mad. I was just angry, and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I don't like this book. <laughs> so, so you might have a similar experience. What I hear is that it's for the good, right? Like... Like, I hear it's for the good. Da- David and I had, a, I, I'm just going to say, David and I had a conflict. But David said, this is really good, right? Because this is, this is helping me know you better. And, and, and Kathy, she, she's the therapist. She's like, this is really good. I, I appreciate you having the, you know, feeling safe to be yourself and be, be mad right now. <laughs> you know, like, so th- that, this is good, right? We might not like it, but it's good. And, uh, and so that will help us mature because even Jesus talks about a lack of maturity, like in his parable of the sower, he says, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So there's these things that, that are deep rooted. And, and wh- why do we get sucked into those things? Worries, wealth, because we're insecure, because we have feelings, because we are afraid of the world. And so we reached for these other things for control that don't really give control, and we end up choked. And so the goal of this is to, to be able to deal with that deeper stuff and then also really connect to God. So that's what that second book is, Day to Day. And the butlers will talk a little bit more about that. Uh, is just not only are you dealing with things, but you're connecting to God in a deeper way than hopefully you ever have before. So Dustin's going to talk a little bit more about being spiritually unhealthy. Because <laughs> that's my expertise. Um, okay, so in the book, there's um, 10 symptoms of emotional unhealthy spirituality. And as I read this, I was like, oh, wow. I, like each one you kind of connect with. So um, we'll just kind of talk through a bit. It says, um, using, to God, using God, I can't read that. I'm going to have to read it off my phone. I'm, <laughs> you know, after, yeah, but then I'll be facing that. But anyways, um, you know, you hit 50 and all of a sudden you can't see. I don't know what happens, but um, using God to run from God, which, you know, like I'm doing all these spiritual things, but not spending time with God. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to, so easy to get caught up in that. Um, ignoring my emotions, which is very easy for me. It's like easier to, let's just push forward and don't worry about what I feel about it. Um, dying to the wrong things, like picking the wrong things to deny ourselves in, right? And then, um, Denying the past, how the past has impacted me. You know, like, I just don't want to deal with that. It's not affecting me now or whatever. Um, uh, Oh, dividing our lives into secular and, um, you know, like spiritual and secular. It's different. Like, I'm, you know, I have work and then I have church. Or I have, and um, the book was talking about how we're all, like, we're not the ministers. The Marichis aren't the ministers only. All of us are. We're supposed to be. You know, all our whole life is ministering to ourselves and others, and you know we just happen to do it full time and help equip you guys. But it's like a, it's not we don't have these different sections of our lives. Um, spiritualizing away conflict. Oh wait, doing for God instead of dealing with uh, being with God, which is 
really, that's kind of similar to one of the top ones, but it's so easy to just do all these things and think we're doing okay, but we're not, you know, yeah. Um, spiritualizing away conflict, like, um, like some, it's easy to avoid conflict in the, you know, under the, I'm, I'm not going to be angry, so I'm going to stuff it, or I don't want to be critical of that person, so I, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm going to be spiritual about it instead of actually dealing with it. Um, covering over broken weakness, brokenness and weakness and failure. And th this was talking about shame. Like, you just see, you know, I don't want to feel shame, so I'm just going to cover the whole thing over. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to deal with it. Um, living without limits, or we also call this boundaries. Like, not setting healthy boundaries for ourselves. We're just going to help so many other people and do so many things that we're not taking care of ourselves and our relationship with God. Or um, judging other spiritual journey. That's, you know, that's that hurts us. Like, we're so critical about what everybody else is doing, we're not looking at ourselves. And um, so Brian and I were driving in the car the other day, and I was like, okay, I'm almost done with a book. At the beginning of the book, I had all these hopes, like, okay, I know I have a low EQ. Like, you know, there's the IQ, and I've known this for years. Like, I don't, I, I just am not very in touch with my emotions or how to deal with them or whatever. So I was reading this book, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to, change me and I'm, I told Brian I'm almost done with the end of the book and I, it didn't work yet <laughs> like I don't feel like I, I didn't get there I don't get it but anyway so I'm glad that we're going to all go through this together and do the work that you know the different things I think it'll be good to talk through because some people are just better at it than others and then I think we're better at seeing each other than ourselves as well so it'll be good to kind of talk through and ask each other which part do you think you know like where do you think I'm lacking and sometimes we're probably better at different things than we think we are but um so where's the we got the iceberg here so this is dealing with so the tip of the iceberg is what everybody sees right and then that's the rest of us down there so hopefully we're going to be digging down into the bottom part which isn't fun sometimes it can I mean sometimes it can be but sometimes we think we don't want to do that we don't want to get deep but then if we stay on the surface, we don't have close relationships and we're not happy either. So it's, it's going to be some work to do all this stuff to get to the bottom of the iceberg. I mean, I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of the iceberg. That's a lot. But hopefully we can deal with some of the stuff underneath to help us. So um, the, the weekly schedule is going to, just so we're clear, it's all can sound a little complicated, but it's going to be easy. We're going to have, on Sundays, we're going to have a lesson from each of the, the chapters. So the the guy in the video explained the eight different, so we're going to do this for eight weeks, one chapter each in the um, Emotionally Healthy book, and then, um, so the guys will do a lesson on Sunday, and then Wednesday we'll get together and do, um, you know, talk about it as a group, and throughout the week we'll be reading the day-by-day um, the -day book, and then on, we'll also, there's also a worksheet that goes along with the Wednesday. But, and that'll be sent to you. So that's it. There's just the, the Sunday, Wednesday, and the worksheet. So it sounds all complicated, but um, it should be uh, pretty helpful and give us some good stuff to talk about and dig into. So um, hopefully we'll all be fixed at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So just, just going back to this slide, um, this ties into what we've been trying to accomplish um, even the last few years. Remember uh, our... our our, when we did this New Year's kickoff uh, two years ago, it was doing life together. And uh, that was right before, you know, all that was to come, doing life together. Uh, but the, the goal of that was in our small groups to be able to really know and be known. 
that's what we all really want, even if we think we don't want it. You know, we really do want to be known and still loved, even though somebody knows. So let me just newsflash, you are broken. (laughs) And I am broken. Like, we all are broken. Like, whatever's down there, there's a reason you don't want people to know what's down there. Because we all have issues, we all have sins, we all have things we're ashamed of, we all have, even if you don't know it, like we all, and if you think, oh, I have nothing, then you, then that's your thing, like you're out of touch, you don't, um, so, so we all, you know, so rather than viewing this as negative, like, like let's kind of view it as a voyage of discovery, and um, I know that's kind of hard to think about, but like I'm reading this book. It's an interesting book called Sapiens. It's like a, sto- a story of, of, the, of human history, and it's kind of a nerd book. But, um, but he talks in there about like, so these are what maps looked like before Columbus. So this is from 1459. So this is a European map. And, and so the idea, you know, there was kind of this, and the guy argues that, the author argues that Columbus's discovery of the New World really changed all of humans thinking because there was this kind of idea that we've we've found it all we've discovered it all they're kind of a modernist that becomes more of a modernist approach but we we know it like so the maps reflect that okay there's everything there is on the map and then look what changed so this is just a few years later this is after uh the new world is discovered by europeans there was a lot of people already here but um so this is what european maps look like after that so look at all the empty space. Okay, so can you see how that's just a different kind of worldview? Is wow, there is so much. Like they even left half the map empty. Like the contrast between these maps is is really interesting to me. You know that uh, okay, I I got it all. Or wow, there's a lot to be discovered. And so I use that as an analogy for for yourself and either uh, others. You know the others in your group. Like I I want to view this as I'm discovering a new world. Like, I want to I know more about myself, and I also want to know more about you. And, and I want to know your family of origin, and I want to know more about what makes you tick, and what, and what makes you mad, and, you know, and, and, and how I can not do that, and how I can, like, you know, like, I want to, this is something we can discover together, and hopefully a positive, you know, trying to put a positive uh, view towards all of it. Amen? So, uh, and, and this ties into, this is a concept in, in, uh, in the Bible called, uh, the Hebrew word is yada, to know. Like when Steve talked last week about how Samuel did not yet know the Lord, that word is yada, like didn't, I mean, of course he knew who Yahweh was, but he didn't really know Yahweh. He hadn't experienced Yahweh. He didn't know the deeper stuff. He didn't really know. It's the same word that's used for sexual intimacy in the Old Testament, which is probably more than you want to know, but just, it's yada, it's to know, like to know intimately. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go to a uh, discussion group. And I know this is going to be kind of complicated because some people in your group, you know, are online. Some of you are online. Hello, everybody online. Uh, you can discuss with those, whoever are with you, or put, put things in the chat. But we just wanted to practice this a little bit, just uh, talking. So we're just going to spend 10 minutes uh, talking uh, with, with a group uh, that's around you. So you can just split up with the people around you. If you we'll, we'll try to do this in like one minute. Find a group. Uh, so just fi- find your group or find a group right around you. Here are the two questions real quick. What's something you know about yourself you think is important for others to know? This can be as deep as you want it. It can be, I'm from Detroit. Or it can be like, I'm really afraid. I have deep fears and intimacy. You know, like... Whatever you want, just something you know about yourself 
you think others ought to know. And then number two, what's something that you'd like to know about God's word or yourself or others? Make sense? So we're going to break now. Try to take a minute to get to your group. If you don't have a group, just uh, meet with the people that are right around you. And then uh, I'll pull us back together here. The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day-by-Day Book, or the EHS Day-by-Day Book, is the very core of the EHS course. Why? It is about equipping people like yourself and me to be with Jesus. Without connecting with Jesus personally and deeply, there really cannot be any change in our lives, nor in our churches, any deep change anyway. For more than 30 years, I've been a pastor in Queens, New York, with people from over 73 nations in our church. At the same time, I've traveled a bit around the world speaking to pastors and leaders, and I've been observing the church in a variety of settings and denominations. And I think I can say with some authority now that we have a crisis in the church today. Many Christians in our churches believe in Jesus, but their relationship with him is barely existent at times or seriously underdeveloped. The following are common answers I hear when I ask people about their rhythms of spending time with God. They say things like, I only think of God on my drive to work in the morning. Or my rhythms, they're non-existent. Or spending time with God for me, Pete, is when I have time. It's really not a priority. I'm a binger, Pete. When I, I fill up for days, I fill up on Jesus, and then I starve for days. Or my rhythms only exist in church on Sundays and our monthly women's group. Or, I don't have any rhythms, and I basically only call on God when I'm in a jam. Or, most of my time, Pete is spent speaking to God, and I tell him things that are bothering me. Or, as one 19-year-old told me, I just rush through devotions to get them done. That is nothing less than a spiritual crisis for the church today, especially when we consider that God's love for the world comes primarily through his people, us. For this reason, the core of the EHS course is this EHS day-by-day book. It's also the most difficult and challenging part of the eight-week course. It's introducing people to silence, solitude, loving union with Jesus, rhythms, listening, not simply talking, learning to practice God's presence all through the day, and a firsthand spirituality with Jesus, rather than living off the spirituality of others. The EHS day-by-day was written as part of the EHS course. The theme of each week goes along to reinforce each of the eight chapters or sessions of the EHS book and workbook. But the daily office differs from what we label today as quiet time or devotions. Quiet time or devotions normally take place one time a day in the mornings, with the emphasis being on getting filled up for the day or interceding for the needs around me. The daily office, on the other hand, it normally takes place at least twice a day and is not so much a turning to God to get something, it's about being with him about communion with God. The goal of the daily office, as with a quiet time, is to pay attention to God all through the day when I'm active. That's the goal. It's so easy to live most of our waking hours without any awareness of God's presence. So the basic premise of the daily office is simple. I need to stop intentionally to be with God more than one time a day so that the practice of the presence of God, to use Brother Lawrence's phrase, becomes a real possibility. While there are five elements to each office, scripture, a devotional, a question to ponder, and a prayer, the core of this daily office is the two minutes of silence and stillness that begins and ends each office. 
Why? Because silence and stillness are the two most radical spiritual disciplines that need to be injected into a paradigm shift of how we do discipleship in our lives and in our churches. Silence and stillness are indispensable to slow us down so we can cultivate a firsthand personal relationship with Jesus. In those two minutes of silence and stillness, we stop our activity and pause to be with the living God. We obey the biblical commands, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him, Psalm 37, 7. Or be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46, 10. All religions practice silence. What makes silence unique for us is that we are silent before the Lord himself. This will be difficult, especially at first. Our internal and external worlds are filled with noise and distractions. But unless we learn to be quiet in God's presence and not simply keep talking to him all the time, how will we mature into Christian adults? How will our relationship with God develop any depth? As Dallas Willard has said, silence is frightening because it strips us as nothing else, throwing us upon the stark realities of our lives. Yet it is the place of deep communion and transformation. We recommend the following guidelines to help you begin to do those two minutes of stillness and silence. You sit down and take a few deep breaths to settle into the silence. You choose a very simple prayer to express your openness and desire for God. Something like Abba or Father or Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord, here I am. Close your eyes and you offer this prayer to Jesus, allowing his will and his love full access in your life. And then when you become distracted, you offer again your simple prayer back to God. Oh, Jesus. Give yourself lots of grace here. When we sit in silence and stillness, we begin the process of allowing God to be the center of our lives. We let go of control and the agenda for our lives. We stop to surrender our will to his will. We open ourselves up to hear him, to hear him speak. We receive his love. Again, this is challenging. Uh, these spiritual practices however, turn life upside down. But as we practice quieting every inner and outer voice in order to be attentive to God, we find ourselves more relaxed, less triggered, less hurried, and maturing in our relationship with Jesus. We also learn that when God says, be still and know that I am God, he's referring to an intimate knowledge of him that can only come out of silence. So be encouraged as you enter into this 40-day experience with the daily office. Hear the words of Moses to the Israelites as they found themselves between Pharaoh's army that were pursuing them to kill them from behind and the Red Sea in front of them. And Moses says the following in Exodus 14, do not be afraid. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I trust that you will find as I have that when you stop to be still and silent before the Lord, he really does fight for you. How are we doing this morning? Good to see you guys. So this is the exciting portion, right? I mean, he talked about some great little tidbits, um, one of which was kind of like a, a Christian exposition, if you will, about you know, how many people go to church and they have all these different things going on, but very much compartmentalize their relationship with God and kind of fits into certain parts of schedule, but then to actually take the time and to slow down do a little woo-saw or whatever it is for you 
and they kind of want to go through this, this brief thing of, uh, of meditation in a second, but just to be still. There's a great scripture that I love. Um, where's it at? Right here. It's a new clicker. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. And repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. And what you find, you know, in this quietness and uh, trust, if you will, and then also in Psalms about 19 times, is this idea to meditate, this idea to be still, this idea to commune with God. Um, We like to be busy oftentimes. We like to do things and be active. I think very much of our society prides itself in working crazy hours and having busy schedules. Challenge is, is do we also take this time to just commune and connect with God? You know, our Western society mindset is that um, he doesn't want me holding the mic. See how he pushed my hands? <laughs> I'm about to have a bump on stage. Um, our Western society mindset is that productivity equals social, um, spirituality. When you're busy, then you're being a good Christian. So much is thrown at us on a daily basis through media outlets, social media. You know, we have COVID-19 and his cousins, Omicron and Delta. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and whatever may be next, you know, none of which helps to bring us closer to God. For myself, I have to make a conscious decision to remember God daily. The daily office is a great tool to apply to help my mind be connected um, to God, you know, or Abba, or King. Although being productive is important, it is not our priority. And I think sometimes uh, with our mindset, we can get that confused. Our priority is to be in communion with God and to make time to hear his voice. For me, um, I'm sorry. Also, we are so blessed um, to serve a God who does not tolerate us. You know, I think with people, we, just tol- we can just tolerate each other. You know, God loves us. Um, you know, he knows us by name, and he desires us. So he desires this intimacy with us. There's a good scripture that was shared. You know, he kind of went into details about the Israelites you know, you can imagine being in a situation where the Egyptians are chasing you and then you have water. It's kind of like, what's going to happen next? And I think a lot of us can operate in that state of, of fear and urgency and immediacy. And so the daily office is really a great opportunity just to be still and connect with God. And it mentions, you know, the idea of, of communing with God more than once. You know, I think a lot of us have grown up with a quiet time mindset. And the goal, of course, is to connect with God in the morning, generally speaking, or sometimes at night. Um, the daily office deviates from that in the sense that it wants us to connect with God multiple times throughout the day, which I think is the goal of a quiet time to begin with. Right. We want to connect with God. And in this Exodus scripture, it mentions the idea of you need to be uh, still. And so for us, I think God forced us to be still in some respects with the beginning of this year. Yeah. Um, I got COVID. She had something. The kids all had it. It was like a 14-day period where we came off vacation, ready to roll, charge the hill, kind of be like the Israelites, let's go. And God said, stop. And the only thing we really could do was pray. And notice how I said the only thing, when that should be the most important thing. That should be the meat and potatoes, the the joy of my salvation to connect with God. And so for me personally, it was very much a mind shift, an intentional mind shift where God was like, you know what? I know you're excited, but remember why you're doing everything you're doing. Be still and know that I'm God. 
You know, I started reading the, the day by day book. Um, the, first, uh, the first lesson I did, a devotional that I did, and I was trying to meditate and I couldn't. I couldn't get my mind to focus. Um, you know, so I just kind of had a song playing and I did the devotional. Did the afternoon, same thing, I could not focus. For the first three days, it was so difficult for me just to focus. And then I realized why. You know, my sister um, has some mental illness, and she just had a baby not too long ago. And I was just so worried about the health of the baby. And I didn't realize that. I just did not want to let that go. I was overwhelmed with worry, thinking about the baby's safety. It was difficult, difficult in turn, the quiet place with God. I had a hard time letting go of my thoughts. I rely on my own strength and timing for getting things done. I realized that my blockage was due to my lack of trust. I did not trust that God would handle the situation in my time, so I held on to control. By the end of the week, I was able to finally allow myself to be still and hear God's voice. Um, and I could just hear a whisper, you know, just like, I got your back. And I remember just like crying, ah, <laughs> just start crying. Um, you know, for me, solitude is a place of healing um, where I can come before God and face my fears, and just give it all to him. Yeah, and I'm not sure where you fall on this spectrum. You know, some of us, we are natural introverts, and we love time by ourselves, and we love, you know, time reflection and meditation. For others, uh, you might go a million miles a minute. And the notion of, you know, kind of stopping for a second and connecting, it's like, what do you mean silence? It's almost like a dirty word. Or even the word Meditation, you can think like it, so that's just Eastern philosophies, but it's in scriptures. Right. It's 19 times in Psalms. Yes. And so God wants us mm -hmm. to meditate in him. He wants us to meditate in scriptures, not just with, you know, modern mantras or whatever, but a true intimacy with God. Right. Leading into communion, it says in Psalm 46, says, uh, 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. What we're going to do shortly, and kind of Martina's going to share a little bit, is we're going to practice this time of silence and stillness. And hopefully, you know, a long-term thing, that this would be something that's just part of our vernacular. You know, we talk about D groups and quiet times, different things within the church, but that we also mention this notion of being silent. I don't know if it's going to be called SNS. I don't know what the acronym is going to be, but silence and stillness is our goal. So with that being said... So be still and know that I am God. Um, what, does, what does it mean to be still? So I looked this up. It says, be still is a phrase derived from the Hebrew word rapha. Did I say that right, Brian? Okay. <laughs> Which means to be weak, to let go, to release, and just to surrender. You know, with many spiritual disciplines, there are inherent medical benefits. It's God's way to tell, of telling us, our bodies, that it's beneficial, beneficial to him. Um, from a medical standpoint, Dr. Johnson, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, deep breathing slows down your heart rate, allows the body to take in more oxygen, and ultimately, ultimately signals the brain to, to wind down. It also balances your hormones, lowering down cortisol, okay, my accent, cortisol levels, cortisol levels increasing endorphin, rush in the body. Um, you know, to know God, we must exercise being still by submitting and surrendering our thoughts, fears, plans, emotion over to God so that we can 
experience an intimate relationship with God. And now we're going to practice um, stillness. So just going to ask you guys to put your phone down. Give you a few minutes to do that. Let go of that talent-like grip. And we're going to take three deep breaths. Okay. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Last one. Breathe in. And breathe out. And now we're just going to choose a very simple prayer or however you choose to approach God. For me, I call him Daddy. Some of us call him Abba, Father, Holy Spirit. Um, you can do a short prayer, Here I am, Lord. And you're going to close your eyes and offer this prayer up to Jesus. And if you are distracted during the, the time of the stillness, just go back to that prayer to help you get back to silence. Okay, so for two minutes, we're going to start in five seconds. Okay, start. time how was that <laughs> different reactions right if you're on stage for two minutes it feels like it's forever <laughs> but hopefully this is something to kind of get us jogged right so the daily offices in that book the day-by-day -day book that would start tomorrow 
So just to be clear, so you would start the daily offices. Again, it has different things like scripture and, and focuses, but we'll always include that silence portion for us to focus on. So that is uh, our time for today. And before I forget, let's pray for communion. It's kind of important. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord. It's amazing, God, for us to be able to be together as a church, to be able to draw close to you, Father. Um, you know, this is silence and solitude. I, it, it, take, it allows me, God, personally, to take that time just to, to truly let you in, to not just pray and go through motions, but to truly connect. We pray, Father, um, as we take communion together, that we're able to draw close to you, to think about your son and the cross, to always be grateful, God, for the, uh, the body that was broken, for the blood that was shed, that allows us, God, to draw near to you because we know how much you love us. We thank you so much for your sacrifice. We thank you so much for today. Praise in your son's holy and perfect name. Amen. It's really awesome to get the microphone set up here. Sorry about that. I'm not going to hold on to it, Rhett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're going to need a little D time after But you know, I think over the last few years, uh, I appreciate what Brian had to say about this voyage of discovery. I feel like that's been my life as a Christian, but even more so the last few years. And some of the foundational stuff that we've built through the years uh, have been really amazing. Some of the opportunities that we've had with the likes of the Barnetts and the uh, Salims and just this idea of worship, friendship, discipleship, and then personal ownership when it comes to our own discipleship. Uh, this stillness aspect of this book, for me, as uh, someone that suffers from attention deficit, is huge. To sit down, be quiet, and... <laughs> But it's been amazing. Uh, you know, I shared last week a little bit about getting back into the old school Bible rather than the phone with all the notifications and everything. And it's just really able to enable me to connect on a much deeper level. And I think as you experience, even with this deep breathing exercise we did, this ability to disconnect. And I, I love serotonin and dopamine and endorphins, and I, I do, I'm not a fan of cortisol. So that deep breathing, it's amazing how you just kind of settle in and just plain feel better. But as we move forward here this morning, I think it's really understanding that God has always invited us into this, his will and his commission and this ability to change the world and do great things. But I think when it gets down to each and every one of us, we, me, and you, this has always been a part of his plan. He's always been desirous of this relationship with us. And ultimately understanding that he has no plan B. We are the greatest part of his plan as we move forward, and that's to be one for him so that we can win the world to him. Amen. You know, when Jesus saved and commissioned us, he left us with this amazing, tremendous advantage, and that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We know in Acts 2, when we were baptized for the forgiveness of sin, once we became that pure vessel, that's when we had the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to enter us and to know that we have this presence that we can rely on. I know for me personally, I get it from a knowledge standpoint, but it's not always something that takes place easily when it comes to that actual connection and reliance. 
And so much of what we're going to be doing with emotionally healthy spirituality is going to get us to that place where it's commonplace to hear God speak. It's commonplace to have that degree of connection and really understanding that what amazing helpers we are to God with that reliance on the Holy Spirit in us. You know, voluntarily choosing to enlist God's help allows him to work amazing miracles that really aren't possible within the natural realm when it comes to us individually, but there are everyday occurrences in the supernatural. And having that understanding and that connection, I think this is one of the things that's so incredibly significant, again, about emotionally healthy spirituality. You know, we keep seeing this picture of the iceberg, and, you know, you've got that small portion above surface, but all the other stuff that dwells beneath it. And it's, a, it's designed to call us deeper. It's, an, it's designed to help us break through some of the chains of our past, our family of origins, things that can help us back and really uh, keep us from either inviting God in to help us or not really understanding how we can let go of those things that have haunted us from our past. You know, when it comes to this equipping, this ability to grow and mature spiritually, really understanding for each of us here in the church that we've got to really make sure that we take this personal ownership when it comes to our own discipleship. It's yours. It's mine individually, this walk we talk about with God. And it's time for us to grow deeper and emotionally connect spiritually, growing in all those areas from a standpoint of health. You know, thinking that through, when we, as God's people, are emotionally healthy and mature, we're really able to understand on a much deeper level what it is that God is trying to build in us and what he desires us to go through for that connection. I think one of the things that's my biggest challenge is allowing for and building that space into my life. Um, it's just been, it's amazing how the time that I would set aside, you know, in the morning, an hour to get into the scriptures and pray, whatever it may be, how I'd find, because of not really going after that stillness and turning off all the other stuff that can go on, how literally that hour was maybe 15 or 20 minutes when it was said and done because of emails or texts or whatever. And, you know, we all hear this thing about how it's uh, rather than working harder, working smarter. I think this is what we're going to see as we go forward with this particular program. For us, it means that Christ can help us reach people that are, you know, in some instances unreachable, that we can change the minds of those that seem to be unchangeable and bring new understanding of people that are hopelessly confused by all the crazy and chaos that goes on in our world to really get in there and make a difference and help them understand what God wants for their lives. Yeah, and in the video that we saw earlier with the butlers, right before the butlers, there was this quick but significant line uh, that we're going to watch in a second. And really what it talks about, what he says quickly, and you'll miss it if you don't really, if you aren't ready to hear it, is that God's love for the world comes primarily through us. God's love for the world comes primarily through his people, us. Not even time to walk away. So God's love, there it is. That's like the quickest sermon ever, right? Um, that God's love comes primarily through us, his people. I mean, what an incredible privilege and honor. But wow, like we're the big plan, right? So, uh, you know, we know that Jesus tells us in John 13, 34, 35, right? We all know that. That as we love one another, the world then will see God's love for them through us and our, and our love for one another. And uh, that's an amazing thing. But to think that God's love primarily comes through us. You know, in Matthew 5, 
Okay. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, uh, God's word says this, you are like light for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden. And no one would light a lamp and put it under a clay pot. A lamp is placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Again, God's love comes primarily through us. We are the light. Some people will only experience God by knowing us. They're not going to see Jesus anywhere else that except through us. And what a great and powerful opportunity God gives us, right? What a great and powerful opportunity he gives us uh, to partner with him uh, in our own walk, but also uh, in changing the world. Um, and I know you guys know this, but, you know, every generation says this, but our world that we live in is broken, right? It's always going to be broken. And uh, there's a famous theologian. Uh, it says, there, there's a famous theologian, John Calvin. You guys know John Calvin. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that it is, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. And we all know this, we're not saved by faith plus good works, but by a faith that works, right? Our faith, as we walk with God and our faith is built, we, God has built us then to express that through good works. And the, basics, the basic scripture on this theme is James 2, where the writer points out that saving faith always results in a changed life. Mm. And that changed life is what allows others to experience God through us. Right? I know for me, before I was a Christian, nobody was experiencing God through me. Uh, that just didn't happen. So, you know, I think that's the thing that's so significant for each and every one of us. I'd say 90% of you are probably here because the individual that reached out to you, it wasn't just about what they had to say, but being able to see that play out in their lives. It wasn't about what they were saying, but it was about what they were living. We know it's not enough to say that we have faith. That faith needs to be demonstrated by our actions, by our works. In James 2, verse 14, it reads, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says they have faith but does not have works? Can that faith save them? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You know, just really this understanding of faith and works, works and good deeds, Thinking that through, sometimes it can be a little burdensome, really understanding who Christ was and who we're called to imitate, right? But I think this is the thing that's key with this emotional, healthy spirituality as we move forward, that if we are in a good place spiritually and we're growing and maturing in that, then that faith is something that's sustainable for the rest of our lives. So really understanding that this course is in contrast to the, the traditional approach of discipleship is to help us experience what we've seen when it comes to this beneath-the-surface transformation, both spiritually and emotionally. And really understanding that deeply transformed people lead to a changed world. Amen. Again, changed people change the world. So, you know, a lot of us, how many of you have been around for a decade? Two decades? Three decades? Four decades? 
Okay, I guess we capped it out with the three. That's a long time. But anyway. Andy Wingy. Andy Wingy. Yeah. Elder Wingy. Just, you know, I think we've, we've, many of us have spent many, many years working with friends and family members and loved ones who really don't understand the gospel of grace or this, this struggle that we have that's called life. And we can kind of get tired and weary when it comes to these things, maybe even frustrated and annoyed as we try to live out our own discipleship and help others through our efforts understand that as well. But I think that's the issue is we can rely on our own efforts. When, and when we're not in a good place spiritually or emotionally, we're, when we're stunted, this is where God comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in, and God knows this. He didn't design us to go it alone, and it's one of the things I love about the uh, uh, passage in Isaiah 40, verse 28. God understands that, that we have a finite amount of energy and ability, but it's limitless if we're relying on him. In uh, Isaiah 40, verse 28, it reads, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But all those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, in these four verses, weary is mentioned four times in those four verses. The first one is letting us know that God doesn't grow weary. What does that mean for the rest of us? It's a thing. It's an actuality. But if we practice, put into practice, spiritual disciplines that we have in our day-to-day, daily office, we'll grow our faith, and that faith will always bring about change. Amen? Right. And again, you know, God... You know, the, the whole point of this course is to take our relationship with God deeper. God cannot work through us. Okay. God cannot work through us unless he works in us. Right? So are we allowing, the question I had to ask myself is, you know, am I allowing God, am I inviting God to work in me? Are we allowing God to work in us? And God can't work through us unless he works in us. This is why it's important, like Steve said, to spend time in the daily practice. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I had to go back to that prayer in that short two minutes, like it seemed like every couple seconds that I was getting distracted. Um, you know, and so I think that it, it, the daily office and the day-by-day book and, and spending time in the Word and in prayer and drawing near to Christ during those times, during our, uh, just our walk with God and even times of suffering, you know, it's through the word and prayer and our spiritual practices, meditation, the practice of silence that we just did. It's through those times that we are strengthened and that um, God works in us. And the Bible illustrates this. This is, Steve put this part together. He really loves this, but he told me I could say it. Um, the Bible illustrates God's working in his people as he prepares to work through his people. Think about it, God spent 40 years working in Moses before he could work through Moses, right? Um, At the beginning of Moses' ministry, he was impetuous, angry at the Egyptians and the way they abused God's people and and Moses depended on his own strength. He killed an Egyptian and had to flee Egypt. Hardly a successful start to a ministry, right? But during those 40 years as a humble shepherd in the desert, Moses experienced God working in him. Amen. A working that prepared him for 40 more years of powerful service as God worked through him. 
You know, we also know for 13 years, God worked in Joseph before God could put him on the throne of Egypt. David was anointed king when he was a youth, but he didn't gain the throne until he had suffered many years in exile. You know, God worked in David before he could work through David. Same with the Apostle Paul. He spent three years in Arabia after his conversion, allowing God's deeper work to prepare him, working in him before he would work through him as his disciple. God has to work in us as his grace transforms us before he can work through us. And all of this is to bring him glory. And so I guess the question is, again, what is the result going to be? What is going to be the result of my decision today? as I decide to either participate and truly practice this EHS and our daily office, or am I going to continue, um, you know, just this in, in, a, in a place that is less deep and less spiritually healthy and less emotionally healthy? In Psalm 19, verse 1, it reads, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Now, brothers and sisters, as we get ready to uh, embark on this journey, how much more should we who have been created in God's image declare the glory of God? Not just with our words, but the way we conduct ourselves. And this is how, ultimately, we are transformed and changed, and this is how we, God's workmanship, change the world. This ability to have people see God reflected through our lives and the way we conduct ourselves is huge. Let us remember, God has to work in us as his grace transforms us before he can work through us. Our prayer for each and every one of us here today, online, outside, here in the auditorium, is to really understand this journey that we're about to embark on through EHS. And I feel like Hebrews 13, verse 21 really sums it up. It says, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. And may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.